the typical chapter that uh, we go to exonerate the birth of Christ. Usually it's Luke, the second chapter. But Matthew tells a story that uh, Matthew, Mark, and John does not tell. Uh, Matthew tells, let me rephrase that. Matthew tells a story that Mark, Luke, and John does not tell. And it is a story of the three wise men. We don't know that there were three. Uh, the reason we assume there were three is because there were three gifts that they gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, we know the story that God visited a little 15-year-old virgin maid and told her that she had been selected to be the mother of God. This young lady, in spite of all of, all of the circumstances attached to that declaration, told the angel, be it according unto that word. And the, whole, the, the same Holy Spirit that hovered in the creation was the same Holy Spirit that hovered over her womb, took the DNA of God from heaven, placed it in her womb, and she became with child. She was engaged at the time to a precious young man by the name of Joseph. He was a carpenter by trade, and uh, he found out that his wife was expecting, and or rephrase it, he found out his fiance was expecting. It was the law of that day, Gene, that if you were engaged and your uh, your your fiance dropped the ball. You could have her stoned, taken outside the village and stoned by the city elders. Or you could put her away privately, which he contemplated. He loved her so much, he didn't want her to lose her life for whatever sin he thought that she had committed. And so he decided to put her away privately. And uh, as he started to apply that procedure, uh, he was visited by God. And God told him that the, the, the baby that was in the womb of his fiancée was the, was the son of God. And uh, he married her. And as they made their way to be taxed in the city of Bethlehem, we know that there was no room at the end. So somewhere probably uh, you can go to Israel today and they will take you to a cave. How many, how many have been there? You've been to the cave. Uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a wooden uh, fixture. Uh, it's, a, it's a cave, it's a hole in the ground where they kept the animals, and there uh, the child was born. We know that when he was born, there was a star that shone, and the angels in the field saw the star, pursued the star, and saw a multitude of heavenly hosts. Hosts represents 10,000, so at least 10,000 angels were singing, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. The angels, the shepherds followed the star there to this little cave. And there they saw the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, surrounded by animals, surrounded by family. And uh, the, the, the shepherds begin to talk among themselves what took place, what transpired. And somewhere in this nativity, you have always certainly, you have a crib and a baby and a mom and a dad. And you have shepherds and you have angels in your nativity. I don't know what all you have in your nativity, but our, our nativity has, has animals. And in our nativity, there are three wise men. And uh, just for correction, just to uh, mess with your mind this morning, the wise men probably were, were not at the birth of Christ. Uh, the Bible says that they saw the star. the star. The star they saw was the star that appeared the night that Christ was born. The Bible says that they were from the east, probably from the Orient, probably from China. And from China to uh, Bethlehem was over a thousand miles. So if they saw the star the night that Jesus was born 
and got on their camels and began to make their way. I don't know if you've ever been on a camel. How many has been on a camel? I have been on a camel twice. I have no desire to get another camel. It's very awkward. They're very clumsy. They're very slow, but they can survive the desert. So that's why camels were used to make the journey. So these wise men, however many there were, whether there were three, whether there were two, whether there were five, they made their way to, um, to, to the star. When they got to uh, Jerusalem, they began to question, you know what, let me just go ahead, and, and since I brought you that far, probably Jesus was two years of age uh, when the wise men made it actually to his house. But let's look at Matthew 2 and just share a few verses. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Obviously, Herod is the king of Israel. When he hears there's another king, obviously there is some concern. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ would be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And, thus, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule thy people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared and again this was probably two years earlier and he sent them to Bethlehem and said go and search diligently for the young child and when you have found him notice not babe but child and when you have found him bring me word again that I may come and worship him and when they heard the king they departed and lo watch this the star that appeared the night that he was born reappears and when they departed lo the star which they had seen in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child, again, not the baby, but a child, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented them unto him gifts, three, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the first point that I want to make this morning is found in verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod and departed into their country another way. Another way. May I tell you something this morning that when you encounter Christ, the Bible said you will come in one way and you will leave another. There's something about the presence of Christ in your life that has the ability to change everything that you're doing, everything that you're a part of. And you're not the same person. Aren't you glad this morning that when Christ found you, he accepted you for who you were, but he changed you into what he wanted you to become. And when you come, when you come to God and you come to the realization of God, Gene, everything changes. Your verbiage changes. Your, your hobbies change. Your interests change. Your goals change. And you begin to live your life for the glory of God and be, begin to pursue all that God has for you. But I want to bring to your attention also that when God comes into your life and you make him a part of your life, it opens the door for the enemy to try to take you out. Uh, one of my uh, favorite commercials, a little target dog that's got the, the bullseye on his eye, 
And uh, I, I think also our gang, Spanky, didn't they have a dog that had a little thing around its eye? What was the dog's name? Do you remember? Petey? Thank you, Pastor Todd. I've just stayed, stayed there. i got some other questions for you in a, in a, in a moment. But uh, I thought that was funny that, you know, the Target that we, that we visit down the road, it has, a, it has a target like you would shoot a bow at or a rifle at. And that's exactly what happens when you come to know the Lord. I know it may not sound fair, but all hell is intimidated by you. All hell is frightened of you. And all hell wants to take you out before you fulfill your purpose and fulfill your direction. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if God has called you to do something, God will finance and God will orchestrate and God will bless what he's called you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Something that I need to bring to your attention that as they are a family, Joseph is a carpenter, Mary is his wife, and they have baby Jesus. Later, Mary will go on to have five more children. It's believed that Jesus had five brothers and sisters. She will go on to have more children. But at this particular time, it's just the three of them. And when the wise men came to their home and when the wise men came to their village and gave them the gifts, it immediately marked them and the enemy tried to take them out. How do you know the enemy tried to take them out? Because when Herod realized that the wise men did not return, had gone another direction, if you read on, it said he got very angry and he sent soldiers, not just to Bethlehem. And I've read this story a hundred times and just this morning, this story leaked out in another area. He didn't just send troops to Bethlehem, but he sent troops to all the cities on the coast. And there he killed every child two years of age and younger because identifying the star at the time that the wise men came, he determined that Jesus was at least two years old or younger, and he killed all the babies. So when the wise men came to the home of Mary and Joseph, not only was it an honor, not only was it a privilege, but it pushed them out of the nest. It pushed them out of the safety net that they were in and to open, open spiritual warfare to try to take the family out. And something about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that the Lord showed me early in my ministry, that when Joseph and Mary had to leave their home and leave their business and leave their family and go to Egypt several hundred miles away, when they made that journey, how did they finance that journey? They took the gold. They took the frankincense, they took the myrrh that the wise men had brought, and that financed the ministry of Jesus for several years. Again, if it's God's will, God's will, it's God's bill. If God is calling you into a ministry, he'll finance it. If God is calling you into a particular area of life, he will finance it. He's a good God, and aren't you glad he has the cattle of the thousand hills, all the hills, all the gold buried beneath, all the blue skies above. Their earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. He has the ability to finance anything he's calling you to do. To not be concerned, not be frustrated, just be ready. As I look at the three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, there are several types and shadows found in these gifts. First of all, in that generation, in that day, Gold was a gift given to a king. Anytime you're to visit the throne or visit royalty or, 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 or visit a king, the gift you brought was normally was gold because that was, the, that was the gift that identified them as a king. And I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and that's why he got the gold. Do I have a friend 
in the house this morning. Frankincense was a gift given, offered to a god. When Mary, when Mary broke the alabaster box and anointed the feet of Jesus, it was probably frankincense. That was the gift given that was offered on a, in an apothecary altar, and that was the aroma offered unto God. Jesus came to this earth as the Son of God, and that's why he got the frankincense. Is that not something? And then we know that myrrh, when Jesus died, his body was placed in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and there were 50 pounds of aloe and 50 pounds of myrrh placed in the tomb with him. Myrrh was a gift given at the time of death, at the time of sorrow. It was a sorrowful gift. It was a gift given uh, when Lazarus was bound, wrapped, and from head to toe and was placed into a tomb. Myrrh was placed in the tomb with him because the myrrh had the ability to desensitize the, the aroma of death for a period anyway, for for, uh, for weeks and months at a time. And Jesus left this earth on a cross as the Lamb of God killed in death, and that's why he was given the myrrh. I thought how, how uh, incredible, how symbolic those gifts were. And then I realized those gifts are even more sim symbolic concerning you and I. And I'll be very brief this morning, but I want to tell you that the gold that was given that day to Jesus represents your worth. And I'll show you that in a minute. The frankincense given unto Jesus represents your worship. And the myrrh given to Jesus at the time of his birth represents your suffering. They're all a part of what makes you who you are and, and allows you to become what you become. If you're writing that down, let me say again, the gold represents your worth. The frankincense represents your worship. And the myrrh represents your suffering. I remind you, however, um, 11 months or how many, however many months it was when uh, Noah had built the ark. They spent 120 years building it. When they got on board, when the storm began to uh, rage and the waters began to flood, uh, many Bible scholars believe it was almost a year that they were actually in that boat, actually in that ark for one year. It took that long for the waters to subside. And uh, when Noah got out of the ark, the first thing he did was he built an altar. He offered a sacrifice unto God. And the Bible says that the savor or the smoke that rose up from that sacrifice touched the nostrils of God. And the Bible says it was well-pleasing unto the Lord. And it said, and the Lord remembered Noah. Your worship will touch the heart of God. Your worship will touch the things of God. Your worship will get the attention of God, and God will honor every promise and every value he's placed upon you. God will honor every promise he's ever made because of your worship. Do I have a friend in the house? And, and the myrrh represents, obviously, the suffering that you and I go through. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Aren't you glad this, that he does that? In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The day that Jesus died at Calvary, it, 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 led, it led an entourage of attack against the church, and there were thousands of, of Christians that were fed to lions. They were burned at the stake. They were tortured because of their stand for God. This morning, we, not here in this country, but other countries of the world, Christians are assassinated, tortured, and murdered for their faith. Here, that does not come upon us. It's more of a subtle attack the enemy tries to bring against us. I want to talk a little bit about uh, gold this morning. If you'll go with me to uh, Job, the 23rd chapter, 
uh, this is not a, the book of Job. This is the book of Job. Many people don't read the book of Job because they think there's work involved. It's not work. It's a man's name. Uh, very a good possibility that when Moses uh, killed the, the soldier and went into hiding, uh, Moses met Job. And as Job shared the story of, of what he went through, Moses probably wrote the book of Job. If that's true, Courtney, that means that Job is the oldest book of the Bible, even before Genesis, Exodus. So this is the first word that God has given us. And in Job 23, I want to bring attention to a few, a few verses And I just want to talk a little bit this morning about your about your value, what you are worth in the kingdom of God, what you are to the kingdom of God. Then Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter and my stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I oh, that I knew where I might find him and that I might come forth even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he was saying to me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. Job was at a place in his life where he realized, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm bitter, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm in trouble, I'm sick, I'm tormented, I'm tortured, I'm, I'm sorrowful. Can anybody relate to any of those adjectives? You ever been there in your life, or maybe you're there, or maybe you're headed there, maybe you're not there yet, but something's going to happen that's going to put you where Job's at. And here's what Job says. If I could find him, I could talk to him, and he would talk to me, and he would use his strength to encourage me. Then the righteous might dispute with him, and so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Be, watch this. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When you go forward, it's real easy sometimes in life to get ahead of God, to do things before God calls you to do it or do things that you thought was a good idea, and then you get out there and realize this was not a very good idea at all. Can anybody relate? Then he said he's not behind me. A lot of times we will miss the plan of God, miss the voice of God, miss the direction of God, and then realize I wish that I'd have paid more attention earlier in life. Does anybody have a witness? Can, can you relate to that? that you felt like that God spoke to me to do something and I didn't do it, I should have done it, now I realize why I should have done it. That's what Job is saying. He's not ahead of me. He's not behind me. On the left where he doth usually work. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody tell me this morning that when you're going through a storm or when you're going through a trial or when you're going through a tragedy, there's always something that seems to bring God to you. It may be, it may be a, a CD from Hillsong. It might be a teaching from T.D. Jakes. It might be just a, a, a loved one's caress or, or, or encouraging words spoken to you. Can anybody relate that they're, they're, when I'm in trouble, there's a place that I can go and I can get along with God and I can feel God's presence? Are you there with me? Job said it's not working. My Nancy Harmon CDs aren't working. My Hillsong, it ain't getting it. I, I, my, 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 my book, This Present Darkness, it's not, it's, God's not where he usually is. He's not where I usually find him. And then watch this. And behold, he hideth himself on his right hand that I cannot see him. The right hand is usually things that we do uh, to, to get attention. Not always good things. Sometimes a child will misbehave just to get attention. Sometimes we will misbehave just so somebody will pay attention. Somebody, 
anybody in the house? And Job's saying, even that's not working. So he's not ahead of me. He's not behind me. He's not to the left. He's not to the right. But notice what Job says. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what I'm experiencing. And when this trial is over, I am going to come forth as pure gold. Okay, let me tell you about gold. Gold is mined from the earth, and it is mined. Rarely is gold by itself, but there are other irons and ores that are mixed in with the gold. And to produce pure gold, the gold is placed in a container, and it's placed on top of a fire, and that fire begins to melt all of the contents of that container. And as those contents begin to melt, the workman will take a, 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 a stick and he begin to stir that, that process up. And in that stirring, all the dross, all that isn't gold, floats to the top. And the workman will take some, some type of spoon and he'll spoon all that dross out and he'll remove it from that container. And once he gets all the dross moved out, what's left in the container is pure gold. And Kelly, the way you know it's pure gold is because when you look at it, you see your reflection. And I think that's a lot about life. We go through stuff. We go through, we go through uh, just fire. We go through trials. We go through junk. We go through. And every time we overcome a trial we go through, every time we deal with the mess that we're in and we see God's hand, we're just becoming more and more like God and more and more like Jesus. And we are suffering and we're enduring and we're growing. And all of a sudden, as God looks upon that container and looks at us as we're going through this process, all God sees is himself. Does that excite anybody this morning that your, your suffering, your trials are for a purpose, they're for a plan that God is making you pure gold, and that's what he's going to use in his presence because gold is a gift given to kings. And the Bible says that you are kings and priests, Revelation 3. You're kings and priests, and God has placed us on this earth to take back what the enemy has stolen, to be what God has called us to be, and to do what God has called us to do. When I think of your value today, and I think about uh, lawsuits, and I think about lives lost, I think about the, the lawsuits concerning the value of life. The, the, word, the word today compares you as pure gold, that that's your value in the presence of God. Well, let me talk about gold just for a minute. At this particular time, it's about uh, $800, $800 an ounce, uh, which is about $2,500, about $2,500, about $25,000 a pound. Uh, this uh, brick right here is two pounds. This is about $50,000 worth of gold, if that was solid gold. And if you'll take your weight, and let's assume that everybody weighs around 150 pounds. I'm at 185. Uh, and uh, so let's just assume the average weight of everyone in this house is 150. Well, we're charismatic. We eat a little better, maybe 160. But let's put it somewhere around 150, 160. If you were to take your weight and you were to multiply it times the value of gold, Every container in this place would be at worth at least $3.5 million, at least. If you're at 150, you're at $3.8 million. That is your value. That is your worth. Why in the world would you sell yourself for any cheaper 
for any less when you realize that the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And that's your worth today, and that's your value today. And, we, and when we as kings and priests go before the Lord and we offer that, that, that altar of apothecary, the altar of apothecary, the ingredients, the frankincense, all the cinnamon, all those ingredients are placed together to make a potpourri, and then it's put on coals, and as the vapor rises up, and that steam rises up, and that praise rises up, do you know that your worship has a scent? Do you know that your worship can be one of two things? You could be stinky. Your, your, your worship could be attitude. I knew this would happen. God, you're always, everybody else gets blessed but me. I never get blessed. I never get anything. I never see yada, 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 yada. That kind of worship is stinky, and that's not the kind of worship that's going to touch the heart of God. But when your worship is, God, I am so thankful that you have raised me from the dead. You put your son in me. I'm alive. I love you. I care about you. I worship you. That kind of worship gets the presence of God and gets the attention of God. And God will send in response to that worship, in response to that praise, God will send his favor and God will bless you and God will be a part of your life and God will touch your life. Does that help anybody in the building today? So when your head hits the pillow today, that's $3.8 million worth of uh, worth that's laying on that bed. Don't sell yourself short. Accept every promise. Pursue every promise. Claim every promise. Say, God, I don't want to live in the little bit. I don't want to live in it. I want to live in the fullness of all that you have for me. I want to leave this place I'm at. I want to go to where you want me to go with your help and with your direction. I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today because old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. Yes. Shall we pray? We thank you so much for the gift of your son that cost you everything. That he left the splendor of heaven and.